This is the final part of my conversation with Christy Hunter Arscott, where we dive deep into her brand new book, Begin Boldly. Get excited, because this is Tiny Leaps, Big Changes. So by the end of this episode, you are going to understand very deeply why Christy Hunter R. Scott's new book, Begin Boldly, uh, could potentially be one of the best new self-improvement books uh, about to be released. So you've already listened to or watched two conversations with Christy, and I'm sure by now you can see just how knowledgeable and thoughtful she is about this problem, about the issues related to gender equity. She has brought so much value to the conversation, and I'm excited for this third piece of the conversation because we finally get to dive deep, not just into what the book is about and why you should pick it up, but also into specific conversations that she tries to spark from the book. We actually pull up a section of the book that she then shares her thoughts on, and she talks about the writing process and how it relates back to uh, uh, her own strategic risk-taking and her own sort of leaps of bravery that allowed her to publish this and make it available to you today. So this is going to be a phenomenal phenomenal end to this conversation with Christy. I do want to encourage you, though, that this does not have to be final. It is the end of this interview series, but it does not have to be final. The next step, if you would like to stay connected with her, is to pick up a copy of the book. And of course, the link to that is in the description of this episode, but also to reach out to her directly, to find her on social media, to uh, uh, reach out through her website, and just let her know how much you appreciated her uh, insight into this topic. So I encourage you to do that. I encourage you to keep this conversation going with her and to start your own journey by beginning boldly. So, Christy, um, your book is coming out in August. Yep, August 2nd, it drops. August 2nd. It's titled Begin Boldly. Why did you write it? So, I really wrote it to encourage women uh, to take more risks in their careers and take them sooner. Um, And giving them a method and a way to do that. So, it's about equipping people with the right tools and mindsets and skill sets to start from day one, not waiting till I'm more experienced or it's too late. Um, I wish I, and I've interviewed, you know, at this point, I feel like I've interviewed thousands of women across the globe. And ultimately the common theme is I wish I started taking risks sooner rather than later. I've never heard it the other way around. So you're trying to encourage women to take risks sooner. So this is, Really interesting when we layer in what we spoke about in the last episode, this question of courageousness Mm -hmm. versus confidence, Um, because there is this like very unfortunate and very, for lack of a better word, fucked up um, uh, uh, relationship that as a society we have with women, especially in the workplace, Um, starting from when they're young, they're often not taught to be confident and not rewarded for being confident. And so you, you get to adulthood and this is a really difficult thing um, for, for, for people to follow through with, which obviously leads to less opportunities and so on and so forth. How do you 
get like what is the process how do you unlearn what is reinforced by society and has been taught to you since the minute you recognized the world that's a big question that's a very big question <laughs> Look, if I could solve that, everyone on learning, you know, we would be on a good trajectory. You know, I think you're right. Even if you look at women's body language, uh, we're taught to not take up space. Um, and I remember when I was doing my um, headshots for my website and I looked for examples of people and almost every woman was curled up like this, you know, shoulders in, legs crossed like this, head tilted. And it's so interesting because I was like, gosh, these are business women that are in these amazing shots. And we weren't, no one was standing broadly or taking up space. And it's fascinating to see, to feed into your thing. We're, we're taught often to be small, to be quiet, to get our, put our head down, get the work done. We'll eventually be noticed. But these narratives just have not worked. And so what I think women need to think about is, you know, what's the, I, I talk about this like, What's the reward if I risk? What's the reward if I don't? And which reward do I want to reap? And what's the cost if I risk? Potential cost or consequence. What's the cost if I don't risk? And which price do I want to pay? And I know that that seems so simple, but I think if you make a conscious effort to continue to embody um, the behaviors that we've been taught by society, at least make it a conscious decision that this is what I'm doing because I want to play it safe. But I really think we need to ask ourselves those questions because in most cases we're going to answer, I don't want to uphold the status quo. I want to be bolder and braver. And I prefer to receive some backlash for being confident or putting myself out there than to live my life thinking what if. And that's really what this book will help equip people to do. So I guess what I'm, I, I really like, What's shocking to me, I guess, for for the lack of a better word, is this is such a big problem. And there are ways, like you just laid out, like how we can sort of get started thinking about it. But how do you approach writing a book about it? Like, how do you sit? What does your process look like to sit down and map out a way to to, to yeah, deal with this? Yeah, it involved learning from the best. So it involved interviewing um, so many different women across the world, looking at different frameworks and work of different researchers. And I just think it's so important. This isn't something that I sit at home and I dream up and I'm like, I think risk-taking would make sense doing it this way. And just like in business, you look at leading practices of other businesses. What are they doing well? How can I harness those insights? How can I be like a sponge and absorb all of that? That's what I felt like looking at women in this world. Like, what are successful women doing and what is that secret sauce and how do we create it into a method that is applicable and repeatable for people irrespective of career stage. And that was really the focus. The other thing for me was let's make this, and I know I mentioned this earlier, more than inspiration, let's make this action. And so at the end of each chapter, I actually have an aspiration to action exercise because what I found is women aspire to take risks, but they struggle to change, to translate that aspiration into action. So it's about how do we close that gap? Mm. And so for those um, uh, aspiration to action lists, do you have one off the top of your head just as an example of what they... 
Uh, I could pull one out for you. <laughs> so, it's so it's interesting for me because I, so the other thing I want to share as I'm pulling this up is that I always ask, you asked me earlier in another session about what um, role do organizations play in this? And I always ask organizations, do your outcomes match your intentions? Because if you're intending to build like an amazing, diverse, inclusive workforce, but your outcomes are lagging, you don't see it, then you also need to close the gap. So, um, okay, so I'll give you an example. I talk about in one chapter, harnessing curiosity. So I have three mindsets that I focus on, the curious, the courageous, and the agile. And I talk about harnessing curiosity to reduce feelings of work-life conflict and optimize your time investment so you have more time to risk. Because what I realized in my research was a lot of people will say, oh, I wouldn't take risks, but I have too many competing priorities. I'm too stretched, I'm feeling burnt out. And so the aspiration to, um, to action exercise is based upon the research of Stu Friedman, who's out of uh, Wharton at UPenn. And he's got this whole work-life center. And it focuses on the fact that in business, we would never take a product or service to market without understanding our stakeholders, our consumers, our customers. I'm sure you understand some of the needs of your listeners, right? But we don't apply that lens to our personal lives. And so how do we take a stakeholder assessment of our personal lives? And so there's an actual method that you can use to, in, to actually figure out what matters most to the people that matter to you and using curiosity to do that. The reason why that's important is because I've seen so many people in their careers say, gosh, I thought I was going to get promoted, but I didn't. I did all of this, but my manager really wanted this. And I'm like, well, did you ever ask them what mattered to them? And at home, I see a woman running home to have dinner with her kids and her husband every night and then get back online and feeling guilty and stretched at work and at home. But I'm like, did you ever ask your husband and your kids what they wanted? Maybe they just want you home on the weekend being present and couldn't care less about dinner during the week. And then maybe how much time would you relieve if you were smarter? So I talk about in the aspiration to action exercise, imagine your time and energy is a limited amount of dollars in a wallet and you want to invest them based on data, not assumptions. So ask, don't assume. And you want to invest them in the activities where you're going to get the best return on your investment. Now, if you're investing in something your husband, your kids, your manager doesn't care about, you're going to feel pretty stretched and burnt. But by doing this stakeholder assessment process that I've um, uh, brought in here from some of Stu Friedman's work, you'll relieve so much of that tension and conflict and actually leave more room for risk and bold moves. So that's a perfect example of what you can do if that's actionable. So that's, first of all, so incredibly actionable. Thank you for that. Um, it sounds like that would also play a big role in helping to sort of alleviate uh, frustration and burnout and like those sorts of things with your career. Oh well, yeah, right? without a doubt. So we often um, assume something's important to someone else and then we'll put all of this energy into that one project or one area. But in reality, if we just asked someone, one of our stakeholders in our career, what's really important to you, what matters most, and then adjusted our time and energy investment towards that, we'd have much more valuable returns and more time because it helps you prioritize. So I always say set up a you know weekly checkpoint and just be like, this is what I'm working on. This is what I have planned. Is this what matters to you? If not, adjust um, because it's so important. It's this simple tool of curious questioning that 
really frees up feelings of conflict and burnout in a really powerful way. So this has been a phenomenal conversation. Um, the book is titled Begin Boldly. It releases August 2nd. Um, if you're listening to this after that, go pick it up. The link is in the description of the, this episode. Uh, I want to end on a question around uh, when we think of gender equity, there's also this sort of other question around how do women yep. support other women? Like, What is the best approach to doing that? Uh, what are your thoughts? There's there? many things they can do. Um, but I just wanted to stress to you that I think women, we, we, we owe it to each other, like empowered women. I just spoke at this event the other day. Let me see if I can. And they gave me this. It was this program I designed and it's my little poster. It says empowered women, empower women, which is one of that, like those powerful quotes. But, um, I think it's, it's a good one to be fair. But I also wanted to just raise (laughs) the point that, um, there's an intersectionality of identity and, Gender may be one of them, but there be uh, there may be other people that are more disadvantaged in your workplace because of other aspects of their identity than you. And and so when we add race, ethnicity, disability, sexual orientation, other things into it, it's really on the onus. The onus on supporting other women falls on everyone. But I would say more so those that feel like they have the capital behind them or in a majority position to support others. And so. I wanted to stress that because there are so many things we can do. So one example is uh, women tend to get spoken over in meetings or interrupted more than men, and particularly women in a minority position, that'll happen even more. So let's say I see that um, uh, Susan's being interrupted. I could amplify her voice. This is something women in the Obama administration did. And I would say, actually, Greg, I'd like to go back to what Susan said. Susan, can you tell me what you were thinking? Or Greg, if you brought up Susan's point and it was, you know, it got traction and it was taken, but you just said something a little bit different. I would say, Greg, I think maybe that's what Susan was getting at. Can we go back and circle back to what she was saying? So there's these simple tips. That's amplification. Another is when you walk into a room, don't just look at who's at the table. Look at who's not there, who should be. So kind of flip that lens and think about who you can invite to join. Um, Another one is feedback. We find that people who are in a majority position in the workforce are more likely to have an affinity with leaders, and therefore they're more likely to get actionable feedback versus those that are in a minority position where they'll get vague, and that can be career stalling. So another way is ask everyone for actionable feedback. Look at the distribution of office housework, getting the copy, taking the notes, Instead of asking for volunteers, start a rotation. So there's so many things we can do. Um, I'm going to give you one more, um, and then the rest are in my book. But it's been shown, and you did a great job. You introduced me today, but it's been shown for women we face this double bind. And if we walk into a room and introduce ourselves, we'll be viewed as confident but not likable. Well, if we don't, we and, and we just come in, we might be likable, but no one thinks we're confident. But the cool workaround for that is asking someone else to introduce you. And that helps you kind of sidestep this double bind. And you can be likable and confident if Greg introduces me. So um, so what's great is one simple thing you can do, you know, other than amplifying the voices, looking at allocation of work, introduce your female colleagues leading with their credentials. Go for it, you know. 
Um, so these are just such simple things, but an aggregate for women can just change the trajectory of their careers. So I want to uh, uh, jump back to, to one thing in the amplification. However, first I want to say that phenomenal advice, like incredible. I, I'm a little torn because I feel sad that we live in a world where like these little tricks yeah. need to be done. Like the, you were talking about like a woman yeah. introducing herself versus being introduced. And it's like, that's good to know for the world we live in, but we shouldn't yeah. live in that world. Like that just makes me so sad. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way as you and I will, I'd be dishonest if I said there aren't times that working in this field and the gender race inclusion, when I'm looking at kind of these broader career issues, um, how disheartening it can be at times to even, you know, show these tips that are research driven and proven and thinking about it. But again, like, I feel like we just have a choice and we either acknowledge that this is the way things are and help people, uh, you know, create great careers irrespective of it, or we don't acknowledge it. And we deal with that feeling disheartened, uh, disheartened, which I do all the time, but and then we recoil and then we think, gosh, like there's nothing I can do. Um, and so I kind of view it. There was this bit in my book where it, it's relatable. This example is relatable to this, but it talks about being agile and adaptable and change. And it says, you know, when a storm's coming, um, the sailor, the best sailor would not just, you know, take down the sails and, you know, go below deck and just be like, let fate take its course. Um, and that's when we kind of shy away from these issues, essentially what we're doing, we're letting fate take its course. You know, the most skilled sailor would be like, the seas are rough. It's unfortunate. I don't know what obstacles I'm going to face. I don't know where the reefs are. I don't know where I could run aground. But the best thing I can do is not resist all of this, but focus on my response. And what is my response to that storm going to be? And right now, I honestly feel like we're living in a storm, a storm of race and gender reckonings in the U.S. that um, is, yeah, I could go on, but we don't have enough time. So my view is, am I just putting down the sails and going below deck? Or am I going to sail my ship to the best of my ability and help others do the same? Where can we connect with you and uh, when the book is live, where can we go? Yeah, pick it up? great question. So um, uh, you can already pre-order Begin Boldly at, um, online at you know Barnes & Noble. It's on Amazon, Penguin Random House. Um, Amazon also already has the audiobook available. If you'd like to listen to the audio version, it's released pre um, the physical version, which is great. Um, but head over to Amazon. You can also look at the reviews and some of the quotes and insights and more on the book. Um, and then in terms of connecting with me, um, my website's christyhunterrscott.com. If you search on platforms, Christy Hunter R. Scott, I'm on LinkedIn, I'm on Instagram, and I would love to connect. And most importantly, I would love like if any of these um, insights resonated with you today and you're taking more bold moves or living boldly, like share, let me know. That's really like, it goes back to my motivation, Greg, that I shared earlier. Like that's why I'm here. That's why I'm doing this and seeing it, seeing that translation between what we said, aspiration and action. I want to see those bold moves. So, uh, please connect with me. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time to be here.
and and sharing everything that you have. This has been a phenomenal. Yeah, thank you so much. It's been really great talking with you. So that's the last of my three conversations with Christy Hunter, R. Scott. I've had a ton of fun, and I want to hear how it was for you. So if you're listening to this right now, find the podcast on YouTube, click subscribe while you're there, and then leave your thoughts, your comments, your feedback, your questions in the comment section of this YouTube video. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, then it's super easy. Just scroll down and, and do that. Uh, leave your thoughts, your comments, your questions, your concerns. I'd love to connect with you further on this topic, uh, and I'd love to hear what you have sort of learned from this series of episodes. If for some reason you listened to this and missed the other two, I encourage you to go check out those two episodes as well. The full conversation with Christy is available in a playlist on YouTube. So I definitely encourage you to check that out. With that said, pick up a copy of the book. I'm going to do so myself. It's releasing uh, next week, actually, August. So pick up a copy. I'm going to do one as well. And let's read it together. Let's share our thoughts as we go through it. Thank you so much for spending the last three episodes with me. And with that said, remember that all big changes come from the tiny leaps you take every day.